Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. statement this morning and if you're married you will 100% agree with me at least I hope you will and if you're not married it's a really helpful bit of information and the statement is this men and women are completely different so there's some clapping there's a bit of cheering and there's some laughter so every one of you married couples in fact let's face it every one of us recognize the fact that men and women are completely different. Now, Shani and I have been married for 18 years, and I've got a couple of photos of our wedding day. I had to bet them. There we go. I showed our kids this morning. Jude, our seven-year-old, looked at it, looked at the photos and went, Dad, where are you? And I went, no, no, that's me. And he goes, that doesn't look like you, Dad. I said, I'm much better looking now. That's some gray hairs, yes. Shani and I have been married for 18 years. I mean, we can all hear unanimously agree that Shadi's incredibly lucky. I mean, isn't that not true? You know, Shani had been married for 18 years. And I remembered when we got married. I remember standing in front of, actually had the privilege of having my dad uh, marry us. And so we're there, Shadi's parents were in the front row and all the family were there. And, and we were standing there hand in hand. She was in a beautiful, big, fluffy dress I wore a suit, and I believe it or not, it has happened every now and then. And so I was there in a suit, and I, and I remember we got married, and after we got married, we moved into our first house together in Templestowe, Melbourne. Go Melbourne Storm, just needed to add that in. And, and I remember as we moved in, and we set up home, we had a borrowed couch, because we had no money, so we had a borrowed couch, and we had, a, a, we had a coffee table, which, to be honest, was actually just a cardboard box with a bit of material over it. And so it looked like a, car, it looked like a coffee table, except when anyone went to put their feet on it or went to put anything on, you'd have to yell because you knew what was about to happen. The box would collapse and everything would go everywhere. And, and, our, and our, dining, our first dining table was a fold-up, you know, the card tables have got, like, fold-up legs. And that was great, except someone would bump it, and it'd be like an earthquake. Rick's tail, you know, 12 would hit, and the whole table would just go like this. So you'd be grabbing, you know, your cups and everything else. And, and, and we, we got given a fridge. And it was a great fridge, but I may have killed the fridge with a sharp knife, but that is another story for another time. But most of all, most of all, we had a big TV and a comfy bed. And I was a happy camper. Now, remember... Men and women are what? Completely different. And I remember the day when Shadi came to me and said, hey, babe, I think it's time to redecorate. I had no idea what that meant, but I went, okay. Because I remember someone wiser and smarter than me came to me and said, you know what, Dave? Here's a nugget full of wisdom. Happy wife, happy what? Yeah. And so I said, okay. And so I remember she took me to this European-sounding, expensive-sounding store, and it was called Ikea. <laughs> and I remember that moment we walked around for like four hours, around and around and around. And then I began to think, I think we're lost. And then I began to look at, you know, the, you know the display beds? Thinking, I think we may have to set up camp tonight, and I'm sleeping on that bed because that one looks comfortable. But I was okay because they had big TVs and comfy couches. 
And so I remember in that moment thinking, I think we might have to sleep here because I don't know how to get out. And I don't think Shadi knows how to get out. And we've been here for four hours. But they did bring me back with the dollar hot dogs right at the end. They just got me back again. And I, I remember there, and I remember redecorating a house, and Shadi would come to me and begin to talk about thread counts of sheets. I'd never heard such mysterious wonders in my life. And then, and then she would talk to me about curtain styles and how they hung. I didn't know there was such mysterious things. And then there was the topic of cushions. Lots of cushions. Now, I'm a boy, church. I mean, let's face it. Okay, guys, you, you, we're in agreement. We only need two cushions or two pillows, one for me and one for you. But apparently, it's important to have 627 cushions in your house. Like lots on your bed and, 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 and lots, you know, lots on stage and, you know, and, and you need lots on your bed and lots on your couch and lots everywhere else. And, and I learned a piece of helpful marital advice, which I want to just share with a gentleman this morning. When you don't know what to say, which I find myself was often in that position, you say this. Hmm, uh-huh, and then just leave it at that, don't say any more, just, just, you know, stop on a win right there, boys, okay, so, and I, because I recognize as we talk about cushions and thread counts that men and women are what? Completely different. I remembered heading into married life, and I had one preconceived idea of what marriage was like, and Shadi had a preconceived of what marriage was like. And we quickly discovered that they were not necessarily the same opinion of what marriage was going to be like. And since then, I've often reflected and often realized in my marriage, but also in many marriages of people that I talk to, that we spend more time planning for our wedding day than what we do with the relationships that were going to happen for the rest of our lives. See, I reckon if you're married, or if you've been close to the vicinity of a person who is married, you recognize that marriage isn't easy. Why? Because men and women are what? Completely different. See, I'm perfect. Shadi's still a work in progress. So there's many tensions that happen in our household. I'll be in trouble after this service. <laughs> But I heard a stat this week and it said this, statistically, you're more likely to be murdered by a spouse than anyone else. <laughs> and 18 years have taught me one thing, marriage isn't easy. But 18 years of marriage have also taught me that it is absolutely worth it. Marriage isn't easy, but it is worth it. And great marriages don't just happen by chance. So this morning, I actually want to invite up a, a couple with a great marriage. Uh, and they're going to, yeah, that's Mike and Vicky, so you guys can come up. And uh, we're going to hear from them about their great marriage. So that's for you. I'm just going to take this. All right, I've got a quick question. 60 seconds. All right, 60 seconds, first question. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you met and a little bit small picture of your family. So um, 
We met at Hungry Jack's. I was the drive-thru chick um, and Mike was the late night manager. <laughs> and our son is called Jack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just coincidental, but, you know, years later we kind of see the um, humour in that. So we have two kids. Um, Jackson is 19 and Amity is 17. Awesome. How different are you guys and how's that affected your marriage? <laughs> We're quite different. Uh, I'm strongly introverted. Vic is strongly extroverted, I'd say. Yes, dear. Um, <laughs> That's the other bit of merit. All right, guys, taking notes this morning. Yes, we, dear. We balance each other really well. Um, uh, I'm, I'm the calm to her excited. She's the enthusiasm to my slowness. Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably the answer. Yeah, awesome. What significant challenges have you faced in your life and, and how, is, how have you been able to overcome them? Mm, well, the biggest challenge, this is, this is quite a while ago, about 15 years ago we had a business, uh, went bad in the GFC, lost the business, lost the house. We walked away from that with... Uh, without any assets and with about uh, over a quarter of a million dollars in liabilities. Um, long story how God pulled us out of that, but that was a massive challenge that we're just really grateful that we got through and it made us stronger rather than pulling us apart. What helped you get through it and get out of it? Mm. I My think enthusiasm? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I think a determination to always stay on the same team, to always be playing together and not, not against each other, I think is the, yeah, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah I love that. Mm. I love that. What's the one thing that you've done or what's the, is there a Bible passage or just something you've done as a family, as a couple that has helped you su to succeed in your marriage? Because how long have you guys been married? Sorry, I meant to ask that at the start as well. Um, we're in 2021, so it's 21 years. It'll be 22 in February. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So what's the one thing? So the one thing, um, and it was a piece of advice um, that a pastor, a very um, wise pastor, um, gave us. I don't know if Colin's here. Um, a, um, to have coffee dates and to have dates together. So throughout our marriage, whether it was before kids, during kids, oh, we still have kids but they're a bit older, <laughs> they do their own thing. <laughs> um, but now we're a little bit freer from um, children commitments to always have coffee dates um, and go out on dates together. So sometimes in our married life, we've obviously done it financially tough, whether that be having a cuppa um, on the back deck together because that's what we could afford at the time or whether we actually had um, money to go and purchase a coffee at a coffee shop or maybe when the kids were older and we were going to youth um, and we'd stopped leading, that was our date night. So we took the opportunity while the kids were at youth to go and have dinner together. Awesome. Hey, guys, thank you so much. Can we just pray? Why don't we just reach out a hand and pray for this couple, 21 years in and many more to come. God, I want to thank you for Mike and Vicky. God, thank you that even in the midst of some of the most challenging seasons of their life, God, that you were there. God, thank you for the wisdom, experience that they've been through, but God, that they shared with us this morning. God, I want to pray your incredible blessing over them. God, as they walk into these next season with, with kids getting older and, and soon to be at some point moving at home and new seasons ahead, God, I pray 
for your incredible blessing over them. God, thank you for how you're using them in our church. God, thank you for how you're using them in their workplaces. But Lord, continue to look to each other and continue to look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Much appreciated. I want to give you a hand. And if uh, teenagers want to go out now with uh, Vicky to YC. See, I love the fact, I said this at the start, I love the fact that God doesn't leave how to have great uh, marriages up to kind of fluke. He doesn't leave it up to kind of just what we think could be a good idea. But what we're going to do this morning is, over a little while, we're going to spend a bit of time looking at Ephesians chapter 5. See, Ephesians chapter 5 Paul is writing a church to the, the churches in, Phil, in, in, in Ephesus. I nearly said the wrong, in the wrong city. In, in, uh, in Ephesus. And, sorry, my, my laptop's just done weird things. Uh, and he's writing to them about how to have a godly vision for your marriage. How to have a godly Christian marriage. And in this, he begins to write to, to this, this group of Christians who were living in a city that was in a living with a, with a culture that was different to theirs, that were living with a different blueprint of how they were living out their lives. It was a Greco-Roman culture. In, otherwise, in other words, it was, a, it was a, a Roman and a Greek culture that had been mashed and, and, and smashed together, and they had a different way of doing things. You see, in that place, in that time, wives were just properties of their husbands, and love was considered irrelevant as marriage was simply to just produce kids. That was it. Wives were practical and not precious. And in a sex-saturated society, fidelity of husbands was rare. Now, I don't know about you this morning, but I reckon that we maybe or maybe not are in not that far-off place as what they found themselves back then. You know, sadly, in our society today, we've circled back around. So wives are not always seen as precious, but practical. And in a sex-saturated society, fidelity of husbands can be at times rare. So I reckon more than ever, what Paul is going to talk to us this morning about is actually incredibly practical and incredibly relevant still today. So if you've got your Bibles and you want to open up to Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 21 through 28 together. And it says this. Submit to one another at a reverence for Christ. Wives submit to your husbands to your sorry, wives submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as Christ submits to sorry, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to be made holy, cleansed by the washing of water through the word, and present her, as, her to himself as a radiant church without stain and wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies, but he loves he who loves his wife loves himself. See about during the week as I was 
reading this passage and, and I went, you know what, what I could do this morning is I could give you Dave and Chatty's top 10 tips for a tremendous marriage. But that's way too many things to remember. And that's actually not what Paul is talking about this morning. Paul gives us one thing to wrap our marriages and our lives around. One thing. In fact, this whole passage that we read this morning can be wrapped up with one word. It's one word that is either directly said or directly implied five times in the first five verses that we read in this passage. And it is the word what? It's the word submission. Now, let me, let me just talk to the elephant in the closet right now. As I say the word submission, no one goes, amen, that's awesome. We all shudder and we all go, oh, I don't know about that word. Like, it freaks us all out, to be honest. Come on, doesn't it? Like, none of us kind of are like, yeah, no, that's an amazing word. Yeah, let's live our marriages and our lives and let's just submit to it. No, no, no. We all struggle with this. You see, in today's culture, submission sounds weak. It sounds timid. It sounds gutless. And to be honest, most of us balk against the term submission because we've seen the abuse of it. Maybe you're a, a direct result or, or, or it's been impacted you negatively because of the abuse of power of this word submission. But I was reading this week and I read a quote by author William P. Young. He was the guy that wrote the book The Shack. He's a Christian author, and he, he defines or explains submission like this. Submission is not about authority, and it's not about obedience. It's about a relationship of love and respect. The Hebrew word that we find here, submit, is actually also the word that's, that's translated serve. So Paul's big idea to the church of Ephesus and Paul's big idea to a very similar situation, a very similar culture that we find ourselves in today is this, that, that we've got to serve and submit because it's not an option. See, if we want healthy marriages, we've got to submit. We want healthy marriages. We've actually got to posture ourselves in an act of service to one another. We find this where he starts off in verse 21. And he says, you know, we, we substitute the word for serve and submit. You know, we serve, serve and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, Paul is saying to them, and he's still saying to us in 2021, what I want you to do is this. I want you to serve and submit. I want you to accept and to yield to your spouse. Allow them to have a voice into your marriage. Allow them to have a voice into your life. But get this. He actually says it and he finishes it with this. We do this out of love and reverence for who? For God, for Christ. You know what blows me away about this? You know what encourages me about this? You know what it can speak to and encourage each one of ourselves this morning? Is this. That we can, we can serve and submit even in the midst of tough times. Because our, our serving and submission isn't about how we feel. It's not about whether we feel the goosebump moments and, oh, look, it's goosebumps. It's real love. You know, that, that, that we can serve and submit to the other person, not because of how even they might, not be, how they might be treating us right now. But we can serve and submit because we're serving and submitting 
to God. It's not based on our feelings. And what I've found so powerful in my life and in so many other people's lives is as I've watched husbands and wives begin to serve and submit their spouse, what's happened is that God, I've seen time and time again how God has begun to work in the other person's life. The unknown to them is as, as one party has made a decision, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve and submit to God. I've seen time and time again how God has begun to make a shift and a change in the other person's life and within their marriage. But Paul goes on to elaborate this point in verse 22. He says, wives, serve and submit to your husbands. Now before, ladies, before you get cranky at me, I'm an equal opportunity offender. Okay, let me just, let me just say that. Because uh, in verse 25, it says this, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, I don't know about you, but as you read those two verses, it sounds like wives get to submit and men got off easy. Kind of sounds like that's what it's implying, yeah? It's like wives have to, you know, suck it up and you have to submit and husbands, you kind of like, you just get to, you know, like, you get to love them as Christ loves the church, and it kind of sounds easy. Now, quick survey. Okay, quick survey. It's, it's an easy one. Where did Jesus end up, and what did he do with his life? He ends up getting nailed to a cross, beaten with the inch of his life, and then ultimately dying a death while hanging crucified to the cross. See, Paul is saying, men... I want you to love your wife like Jesus loved his church. In other words, I want you to love your wife like Jesus loves you all. I want you to love your wife so, so much, so much so that, that as you love your wife, we can see the love of Jesus and what he did on the cross and the price he paid, the sacrifice he made, that we can see that through your love for your wife. Can I suggest this morning, imagine what our marriages might look like if we loved each other like Jesus loved us, his church, and he what gave himself for her. In other words, Jesus served and submitted to his heavenly father and he loves us that much that he would get nailed to a cross because of his love for you. Imagine what. Imagine what our marriages. Actually, imagine what our relationships. Imagine if we treated our boss like this. Imagine if we treated our neighbors like this. Imagine if we just began to treat anyone like this that we came across in the streets. Imagine what, a, what, a, what, a, imagine what the, the interactions might look like if we loved and valued and served people like Jesus loved, valued, and served people. Then I reckon the whole idea of submission kind of becomes irrelevant because what we want to do is we, we've seen God do stuff in our lives. We're seeing God do stuff through our lives. And the powerful thing about submission is this that overcomes their differences. See, if you think about it for a second, just think about it for a second. If, you fo if, if, you, if our focus and our posture is to simply love and serve our spouse, then we begin to no longer focus on our differences. And soon, 
as we begin to love and serve our spouse, not really looking at our differences, our differences slowly begin to become less of a drama. Can I invite the team up? See, Paul here is commanding us. He's talking to a, to a group of people in his society not so dissimilar to the one that we find ourselves. And he's talking to marriages that are blowing up and fights that are happening, everything that's going on. And he's saying to them, what I want you to do is I want you to submit. And I, and I wonder, I, I, mean, I don't know, but I wonder as he said those things, whether, whether those people hearing it may have kind of got, you know, got offended at the idea of, the idea of submitting like maybe we too often do. But he said to them, what I want you to do is I want you to serve and I want you to submit to your wife, to your husband. And he said it. He said it because God knew that marriage wasn't easy. Why? Because men and women are what? Completely See, what I love is that God, God doesn't just tell us how to have great relationships. God doesn't just tell us how to have great marriages. But I love the fact that God actually shows. See, isn't it really easy to tell someone that you love them? It's a very different thing to show someone that you love them. In about two weeks' time, Glenn and Margaret are going to be standing here as they become husband and wife. You know, and they are going to tell each other in that moment that they love each other till death do them part. But they're going to sh- they begin to show each other that they love. God doesn't just show us or tell us that He loves us, but He shows us that He loves us. And He shows us what true submission is like. He shows us what true love is like. And He shows us that through His Son, Jesus. See, Jesus' love for you was not some kind of wishy-washy kind of love that comes and goes with emotions. But out of love, He gave His life as a sacrifice for our sin so that we could be forgiven and be in relationship with God forever. See, Jesus didn't go to the cross because we were so loving towards Him and because we deserved it, did we? He didn't go to the cross because His needs were being met by us. He didn't go to the cross because it was easy and He felt like it at the time. But He went to the cross out of a total unselfish kind of love for us. Because he made a lifelong commitment to us. And it was so difficult that, that Jesus actually prayed a prayer if there is another way. And then in that moment, he said, But your will be done. Not mine. Catch it, church. In that moment, he submitted to his heavenly father. He said, not my will, but yours. He said in that moment, Jesus, God, it's, it's not about what I want because I don't want this, but because, because of the love that I've got for these people, 
because of the, I'm willing to lay down my life. I'm willing to serve them. So Jesus submitted to God. God encourages us this morning. Love each other in that same way. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. Just like Christ loved the church and he what he gave, he submitted himself for her. Husbands, serve and submit to your wives. Put your wives' needs. Guys, we've got to put our wives' needs before our needs. We gotta to choose to love each other even when we don't feel like it. But because of the decision, because of the commitment that each and every one of us have made to say, you know what, I will love you until death do us part. That was the lifelong decision that you made. It's a lifelong decision that we don't get to skip out on. And he says, wives, submit to your husbands as your husband serves and submits to God. See, marriage doesn't primarily exist for your pleasure. Marriage is not primarily staying in love every day. But godly marriage is about fulfilling the promise that you entered into a lifelong covenant together. A covenant like the one that Jesus made with us. Because of the blood that was shed on the cross. Because in Romans chapter 8, it says this, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. What would, could, or in the future, your marriage look like if there was godly service, godly submission to each other and to God? What could your marriage look like if you spoke the best, looked for the best, trusted for the best in each other? See, Paul knew that men and women are what? Completely different. But he also knew that great marriages were wrapped around serving and submitting in love. Shadi showed me a quote just last night said this in marriage submitting is sorry submitting to our spouse means that we learn the day in day out habit of meeting the wants and needs of our husbands and wives see church great marriages don't happen by chance but oftentimes they're a lot of hard work because men and women different. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.